Humans of the planet Earth, while you slept, the world changed. Oh, snap. Oh, snap, indeed. The world changed. The whole world. Tell me more. Well, you know, we're talking House of X. House of X issue number one. A brand new change not only to the world that the X-Men live in, but really to the reader's world of what they know about X-Men. Exciting, exciting. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us on the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. I'm Justin. Let's get to it, shall we? Yeah, so before we get started, I did want to talk real quick. Um, So we're reading House of X number one, the House of X and Powers of Ten series. If you're interested in reading along, the couple of ways that you can do that are obviously single issues, the classic Those are going to be kind of out of print right now, so you'd have to track those down in comic shops or from sellers online. There's a trade paperback that collects all 12 issues that's available on Amazon and a lot of other retailers. You could go the digital comics route and buy the collection online, or if you have a subscription to Marvel Unlimited, all six issues of each series, the 12 issues total, is available right now. Lots of ways. Lots of ways. Or... Or if you're uh, not interested in reading and you just want to know what's happening, you can stay with us and be on my team. Well, you're still going to look at the pictures. Yeah, that's right. I am going to look at the pictures. That's a good call. You want to look at the pictures. That's that's like the ha- whole half the story. The whole time Justin was just talking, I was staring at the cover of this first issue, just already reacting to things. And and I will tell you, so great. I do have I have two copies of House of X number one. They're both variant covers. So that's not the original cover that came with the standard issue. So there's the one that you're holding now, which is the House Party cover by Humberto Ramos, who we actually met at Comic-Con. He was the one that like bowed to my Spider-Man Oh, mask. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He drew and autographed the picture, the Spider-Man picture that's above behind us. Amazing. Look at that connections and also there's this one that i didn't want to show you at first because it has a character that you are a big fan of oh yeah there's my boy cyclops oh i was talking about blink in the corner oh (laughs) (laughs) you're just so ready to hate cyclops you're just so ready to hate that man yeah he's done nothing but positive things for x-men i'm sorry scott but blink what up i love blink And then this variant actually came with a connecting cover to House of X issue two that we'll talk about in a couple of weeks. And this came as part of my Marvel Unlimited subscription. I think it's so cool when they do that, like make them connect. Yeah, they did a lot with the House of X and Powers of Ten connected issues. So one after another that they had a variant that would connect in a giant scene. I think I have one of both that connects. So what do you do if you want to hang that up? Do you just put the full comic in a frame next to the other full comic Mm. or are you ripping the front cover off? Wow. Uh, I don't, I don't know that I would ever rip the cover off, especially comic blasphemy. Don't speak of ripping off covers. I don't have another copy, you know, and just that'd be intense. I'd probably frame them both. Frame the full comic. Yeah. So, uh, so here's the, here's the standard cover. That's, well, what is Xavier is walking? Oh yeah, get hip to it. Get hip to it. I mean, Xavier walks at various times throughout continuity. Also, 
Magneto is, what is that? Is he silver or is he, his white, his costume is white? Not only is he wearing a white costume, but what's oh. he got on his belt? Oh, I'm sorry. That's an X. Can what you, has happened? Can you see that on him on there? Yeah. This is, all right. There's so much, there's so, I have so, so many much things. to it's say so and things. all we're looking at is the cover. It's just the cover. The first thing, okay. Wolverine has a sign that says no humans allowed. Mm-hmm. So who's this? Is this Havoc on this tire swing? No, that's Cyclops. Oh, that's Cyclops. He's wearing blue and black. I thought that was, all right, anyway. Well, fine. finally, Cyclops is doing, so. look at that. Look at that. Page, not even page one. And Cyclops is doing something I find interesting and relatable. Swinging on a tire swing. Swinging on a tire swing. I don't know, just Xavier's chill right now. is. I'm thrown off. I'm thrown off. But I'm ready. Cool. Here we go. Here we go. Page one. So page one is that opening quote from Charles Xavier, Professor X, as he's listed on the page. Oh, my. What is what is this flower child business? So there's a lot going on in this, and it doesn't actually become revealed as to what it is later on. What do you think it is right now? So well, it's like some- kind of looks tree of life situation with eggs and people are hatching out of them and xavier's like come my children what does he say what does he say oh my gosh he says to me my (laughs) (laughs) x-men yes he does line one line one can you do you recognize any of the people on this page other than xavier i mean xavier pulling up daisies uh no with his funny head no unless that's rogue yeah that's just a white spot on someone's reflection of light oh well, well there's cyclops because there's laser beams coming out of his eyeballs. We can we can maybe guess. So um, the house that Xavier built. And then what is what are all these symbols? Yeah, so that's Krakoan, and that'll we'll we'll learn a little bit more about that throughout this issue. All right. We won't get a cipher until later on, uh, but I did want to make note that this is written by Jonathan Hickman, with pencils by Pepe Larraz, colors by Marta Gracia, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And designed by Tom Muller. Awesome. All right. So you're just going to like take me through page by page what's yeah, happening Yeah, but here? I mean definitely react to it. As I turn. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Page turn noise. <laughs> <laughs> just turn the page. <laughs> okay. All right. Whoa. All right. Do so I... this, this opening spread, Jonathan Hickman's doing a lot of world building in these two pages. Even just visually, and 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 I guess it's not even Jonathan at this point. It's Pepe Larraz with his visuals. We're seeing at various stages some some big level areas related to X Men lore. So Krakoa picking a flower, Westchester. That's where the Xavier Mansion is located. Mm-hmm. The blue area of the moon and Mars, and and through that first page. Just various stages of picking the flower, carrying a pot, planting it, intending to it. And then the next one, we're in the Savage Land. We're in Washington, D.C. We got Beast. We got Kitty Pride. And then two weeks ago, and this is all throughout time, they're, they're saying time markers on each ch- panel, uh, the Jerusalem habitat. Wait a second. Are there dinosaurs in the Savage Land? Oh, Are those, yeah. That's, um, yeah. Oh, God, that's so exciting. That's where Sauron comes from. I'm so, I don't know who that is, but he's a vampire pterodactyl. What? He's is the action figure behind you with the pterodactyl wings. Oh snap! That's amazing. Amazed. Amazed. Okay, so we have 
a flower that's important. That's mm-hmm. what we know. Mm-hmm. Storm. And it comes from Kakoa. Look and fly as always. Oh, okay. So. So this is that same. So if you look last page to the, this page, this is that bottom building now okay. overgrown. By this flower? By this, this flower. flower turned into this giant tree situation? As we can assume. Right? Okay. And we've got some government looking folks. This guy in the bottom corner with his little eyebrow raise right now. He he's, looks like he's up to no good. Well, he's he doesn't trust it. You know, they're talking about the message that Charles Xavier just delivered to everyone telepathically. Which is what? We've only seen the first part of while okay. you slept, the world changed. Oh, okay. So everyone just like heard that in their heads. All we can assume is through this kind of peels back layers and we slowly get more and more revealed to us. But yes, that is the beginning of a message that Xavier has told to everyone. Okay. Exciting. Recognizing the sovereignty of a nation state I had never heard of until four days ago. So they're really talking about the details of the deal and the the reasons why they're there, why they're meeting there. These are government officials that represent various countries, and they're talking about what the terms are that Xavier has kind of put forward, that there's something about designer drugs, there's amnesty. Designer drugs? Yep, and we're going to find out a little bit more about that in a page or two. This is thrilling. (laughs) But, But something that should really concern you is the amnesty, that they're basically asking for amnesty for mutant people. And it what looks like two of the Stepford Cuckoos are there to bring them inside this habitat, which we don't really know what that means, what that is. Are the Stepford Cuckoos the Emma Frost clones or whatever? Yep, from the Gifted, that you know from the Gifted. The gifted. So there's five of them. They're all clones of Emma Frost. Okay, cool. And they're taking them into the building that yes. is overrun by this plant. The thing that they didn't know it existed until four days ago okay and they're asking when, when are we actually going to see xavier and then magneto arrives charles is otherwise engaged i admit i'm a poor substitute but hopefully i'll manage and the woman at the bottom magneto magneto that's Please. what i would say yeah right magneto you see magneto just standing there all white you think i'm in trouble now yeah right so Magneto and Charles are friendly. Well, I mean, they're always friendly, I guess. In this instance of him saying, I'm they're here least, in Charles's place, they're, they're like working together. working together, which is intriguing. And so this is the first, this next spread is the first of what will become pretty standard through all of these issues and throughout the Dawn of X. And they're called data pages. These in particular talk about the flowers of Krakoa. The drugs that these flowers are able to produce out of synthesized pills, but also the things that they're able to grow into. So for humans, they can turn Krakoan flowers into three specific drugs. One that extends human life five years, one that cures all physical ailments, and one that cures all ailments of the mind. Whoa. That's basically everything. Right. Yeah. All physical ailments? Right. All. Everything. I mean universal antibiotic super drug for humans yeah and then for mutants they're able to use a flower they plant a flower to create a gateway they plant a flower to create a habitat like a biome that they could live in which i'm assuming is the habitat that they're in Mm -hmm. in jerusalem or a no place which is a non-naturally occurring flower that exists outside of the consciousness of krakoa so something that krakoa doesn't even know about Wait a minute. I thought you said Krakoa was a place. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'll give you a, a quick little synopsis of what you would know. Krakoa is a mutant. Krakoa was introduced in Giant Size X-Men number one. Okay. The island that walks like a man, I believe, is he Interesting. is an island and a mutant. An island and a mutant. That's crazy. Okay, wait. And I, I mean, at this point in the story, you may not know the answer to this, and they, this may just be like a conversational tidbit, but this drug for humans that extends your life by five years, can you only take it once? Are you so. allowed to just keep re-upping yourselves for five years and live forever? I believe that the... And, and I don't think that the logistics of the drug utilization had been explored at this point or even to where I am, but I think you can continue to take it to maintain that five-year extension. But I don't think it extends it every time it extends it five years. We got Miss Gray walking with a handful of kids. They're talking about Krakoan gates and how they work. Who is recognized by a Krakoan gate? Who can travel through them? And it's just mutants. Others can travel through them with mutant guides and with the approval of Krakoa. Oh. But only mutants are allowed. So, it, like, all of these mutants are just going to live on this island, dude. Right now, yeah. So, Gene <laughs> is at the Gray Malkin Habitat, Westchester, New York. So, that is the X Mansion where mm-hmm. had been the primary base of the X Men throughout history. She's collected with a handful of other mutants that we've never seen before and Banshee as well. And they're all going through this gate. So these are would be current students, you would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine these are brand new recruits. These uh, actually looked them up today. These are the first time that we've seen any of these in this panel other than Jean Grey. Oh, that's cool. And we get some names of them on the next page as they come in through what I like to think of as the central intelligence or the the brain of Krakoan systems. So, so these many are, eyeballs. Are those eyeballs? Yeah, that's, that's Krakoa, or at least part of that nervous system. And so that's Doug or Cypher and Sage. Oh, Sage. I know Sage from The Gifted, right? I think so. Wasn't yeah. Sage yeah, that's basically, working the computers? That's basically who she is. She's a, a living computer, essentially. And they're using their tech and their communication with Krakoa to take inventory of who's coming onto the island. A system that Doug talks about having just built the, a couple of days ago. Cool. And then boom, there on the other side of that gate, there we have Jean and I believe Fauna is the, the green child's name. The art in here, this artwork is so beautiful. Oh yeah. It's so beautiful to look at. Literally every single panel could be its own framed image. Yeah, Pepe Larraz's artwork is beautiful. And now where I'm reading, he's going to start and be involved with the X of Swords or Ten of Swords, which is the crossover event. Cool. Yeah, these are gorgeous. All right, so they're, what we know so far is Xavier said something like the world changed and he kind of laid out some parameters and now we're entering into this yeah. And so we island have, person with a bunch of mutants. We have a couple of narrative threads building, right? We have this group of people that are taking a tour or, or talking with Magneto at the Jerusalem habitat. And then we have this group that are now coming and showing us travel onto Krakoa. And there's Xavier with a weird bubbly helmet. And you can't see his eyeballs anymore. Mm-mm. 
<laughs> Wolverine is like, what is he? La- is he laughing? Is he being he's, in headlock by he's that child? Playing with children. The, <laughs> what is happening? He's playing with children. The murderous Wolverine, bloodthirsty, also watches kids in the afternoon. So yeah. So when Xavier said everything changed, he literally meant it. He was like, Wolverine likes kids now. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. All right. So. And we now have another this? set of map? data pages. So this is a map of Krakoa with a couple of key points plotted out. A lot that we don't know just yet, but some some indications as to things that we might be able to understand. So the House of X, the House of M. So wait, there's a there's a map of Krakoa, but then there's also a map of the world. Yep. How does that relate to the map of Krakoa? I believe so. It says Krakoa Pacific. So if you go to where the Pacific Ocean would be right outside of Australia. Oh, I see. There's a little red box. Yep. And so that red box, I'm assuming, is where Krakoa now is. I see. Now is because it travels. He, they. Well, it was just announced to people. Okay. Gotcha. They didn't know that it They didn't know where it would be before because they didn't know it was real. Right. And so now we're going into an entirely different thread. These are new characters that we're looking at. We're outside of a sun, or I'm assuming the sun. The sun. We're outside of the sun. And this is a a team of scientists, researchers, humans that will come to be known as Orcus. Orcus. And they're going into a base called the Forge. And they're going to test it for its survivability and to see if it's operational. In space? In space. It's a ring in space? It's a a giant network of what was a planet-killing machine. Whoa. Okay. Excellent. All right. So these peeps are living in a spaceship or experimenting in a spaceship. They're coming to the spaceship to bring it online. Got it. And this character right here, that's Karima. She is a human merged with sentinel parts. And I think that's very specific as to why Karima is in this and why she becomes a part of this piece of the story. Um, Especially going forward, there's going to be a lot of interesting narrative play of humans and their connection to machines and or connections to other things. So sentinel parts, the sentinels are... Obviously, or maybe not obviously to some people, the Sentinels basically hunt down mutants. So this Karima, she is a mutant hunter. She is a human that has merged with nanotechnology that has integrated itself into Sentinel parts as part of her. And she's from, I believe, the 90s. She was a prime Sentinel and was unaware of her programming. She was intent to come online when she detected a mutant around her. And since then, she's kind of gone back and forth. She's overridden that programming. Um, but here she's just introduced as a obedient, robotic-looking person that is in collaboration with the humans. And okay. on that second page that you're looking at right now, uh, they're just touring the facility. They're looking at everything. And what... Karima says that I think is interesting. I don't see any machines. I see no brothers. I see no sisters. So she's talking about sentinels. She doesn't see any other sentinels around. So she's like the only... So there's a lot of plants on this ship, I'm noticing. Are they in a farm or like... So it's intended to be a habitat. They're they're coming there to live on this space station. 
There's so much happening in this up in this issue. And already. I love I love this reveal, right? So you talk about the term. Whoa. Yeah. You t- you talk about sentinel head, oh, whoa. but whoa, whoa. Yeah. So that they don't even tell you really what it is, but if we need more, we'll have her build them. Hello, beautiful. And then in the center of this giant satellite system is what looks like a giant sentinel head. That's crazy. So like, just kidding. There's your brother. He's outside. Or your sister. Or your sister. And so this this next is a pretty dense set of data pages. I want to say this is like the most words I've ever seen in a comic on one page before. I'd agree with that. And it really is used to help get out big conceptual ideas. So they're talking about the Orcus Protocol, which is a defense system for humans that is meant to come online when certain things happen. And it also talks about the makeup of the Orcus structure. So okay, this- so sorry, but just jumping out at me on this page says uh, recruitment of assets in strategic organizations, aim, shield, strike, sword, alpha fight, hammer, armor, hydra. Yeah. So there are, this is the collection of all the top scientist minds in human reach. So, so Orcus is all y'all come together. All y'all come together. Something's happening with the mutants. They've been doing something. And oh, so they even talk shield about. Shield and Hydra in the same sentence is like. Blowing your mind. It's blowing my mind. And yeah. it's also making me so badly want more to explore Magneto and Hydra. It's just something I'm into. Yeah. But um, okay. So. All of these scientific, strategic organizations have come together, and this is their protocols. And you were saying, what do they do? So they're they're coming together in reaction to the fact that three types of activity have increased to a degree that they should be aware of. So population alert. There's been a lot more. There's been a, a reemergence of established mutant alpha types long observed as active in a mutant cause. So people have started reappearing. Mutants have started reappearing. This was one year ago, six months ago. Wait, what do you mean reappearing? Mutants that used to exist are suddenly existing again or just more mutants are existing? Instances of X-gene activation have spiked along with the reemergence of established mutant alpha types. So people that had been out, like big names in mutantdom, have come out, as well as there's been more mutants showing up. Okay. Six months ago, a financial alert. Charles Xavier quietly purchased the seventh largest pharmaceutical company in the world and recently announced three new drugs, the three that we talked about previously, Yep. poised to destabilize that industry and spread throughout global financial sectors. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, okay, here's a drug that can cure all of your physical ailments, and then here's a drug that can cure all of your mental ailments. What else do you need you don't like need big any pharma is oh done. great thanks a lot xavier like yeah. we're done skis yeah uh they talk a little bit about the cro magnum problem which is dr ayla gregor's research dr ayla gregor was the person that was walking with karima she's one of uh like a main character within and they even go through some of the structuring of how orcus orcus's command structure at the top so are they seeing these things as a problem yes and so the, in like succession, like building upon each other is a problem. The fact that all three of these things have shown up. And the third thing being Krakoa the, being yeah, the established. Third, the territorial alert. The mutant nation of Krakoa has been established two months ago. And then it was announced. 
And so now this is the humans like, oh, we got to react. What's going on? I don't like this. Well, it's the bad guy. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it is the bad guy. The first one is the thing that really bothers me. I mean, I could understand, whoa, Xavier just made this large purchase. What's up? And like, whoa, there's an island that's also a human that is established. What's that about? So there's more mutants. Who cares? Mutants are a threat to humans. Right. And so the Cro-Magnum problem by Dr. Ayla Greger began as a research project into mutant repopulation following the Genosian genocide. You don't you don't know what Genosha is, do you? It sounds familiar. So it's a it's had a few things throughout the history of Marvel. But what they're referring to now is when it became a mutant island nation. Interesting. And so 16 million mutants were killed by wild sentinels freaking sentinels yeah that's nuts 16 million 16 million that was the e is for extinction storyline in the early 2000s by grant morrison well e is for extinction sounds like sesame street episode (laughs) (laughs) today's episode is brought to you by the letter e for extinction (laughs) Following D for death. (laughs) (laughs) And so Gregor thought that mutants would not be able to repopulate to significant numbers to become the dominant species. But what she found disproved that theory. If not for Genosha, mutants would have become the dominant species on Earth within 10 years. So what that extinction bought humans was time they didn't know they didn't have. And here we have yet another narrative thread. Is that Sabretooth? Yeah. He's and what so looks angry. like, yeah, well, that's classic Sabretooth, just <laughs> tearing up some humans. Ah, and Mystique. Mystique and Toad. Oh, yeah, and, there's Toad. Yep. And so they're breaking into this place and they're trying to steal some information. What they're trying to steal, we don't know exactly. Classic. Classic those guys. Classic those guys, <laughs> right? Sabretooth's going off. Toad's trying to hack the system. Is this on that ship? No. No. This is a different New, location. Different location. This, Bloop, it says we're uh, somewhere else. damage control at the beginning. Oh, I see. And then, so now they're saying we got to get out of here. Let's run. And Sabretooth gets lit up from behind. From behind? Who got Who got him? Turn the page. Turn the page. Oh, the Fantastic Four. Yep. It seems like they're in some kind of probably New York, right? That's where the Fantastic Four hang out. New York. Right, because everything happens in New York. And they're they're about to lay the smackdown on these three would-be criminals. Sabretooth says, run for it. Toad and Mystique are trying to make a getaway. So they're like, later, Sabretooth. Well, and he said, he said, like, I'll, I'll handle this. Not my chair, not my problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. And then there's another one of these data pages. pages. And this is this is talking about damage control. And you might know what damage control is. Sounds familiar. Damage control is a government organization that collects. Isn't damage control the organization that comes in during uh, Spider-Man? When Homecoming. Vulture's like yep. got all his stuff together and they're like, hey, we're taking over this now. Yeah. So and that's damage control. It's like a human go- human government organization that is trying to collect and catalog all things that are supernatural extraterrestrial machinery. And this list is 
the level five security items that they have, right? And so that one soul's hammer, that's what they're now calling the forge. That's that giant network of satellites that we saw that big head inside of. I see. And they also talk about how um, what had been the plan of Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richards, and Iron Man, Tony Stark, where they would just give the intellectual property of one's inventions to the other, it fell apart because Mr. Fantastic disappeared and Tony Stark was presumed dead. So Damage Control was able to seize these assets and make them their own. That's nabbit Damage Control. Yeah. That's scary. So I feel like this is really just added more into Orcus and their power. So they're connected to Damage Control. And so we're back to our tour team, right? So here's the cuckoos. Here's those ambassadors. We see Magneto in that big spread. Magneto. And if you look around, you'll see we've left the habitat in Jerusalem behind and connecting to a hub. And there's those symbols again over the doorway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I supposed to be able to read that? (laughs) Of course not. It's nothing. It's gibberish. It's not nothing. No, it's not. It's not nothing. It's nothing for you, human. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Well, okay. it's, well, it's certainly not Russian, English, French, or Chinese, but it is a language, ours. Ours. Magneto is like, it's not for you, yeah. okay? And I really like what he said. So it's Krakoan, and one of the ambassadors said, you made your own language. He said, of course we did. One cannot create a distinct culture without it, and make no mistake, that is exactly what Charles Xavier is doing. Interesting. And so the yeah. this she's going through the door the through the portal right so like are they taking these peeps into Krakoa? Not currently. They're oh. they're going on a tour through other gates. So oh, there's dinosaurs the, again. The one that they, <laughs> yeah, there's dinosaurs <laughs> again. The one gate that they were in in Jerusalem connected to a hub, which seems to be a collection of gates, like a like a subway station yeah like here come come through this door now mm-hmm. this is where i'd like to go okay cool and then they're basically just showing them the extent of where you can travel through these gates how you can get to any distance any elevation or even environment and one of the human ambassadors is concerned about the military aspects of this all to the advantage of being able to move an army any distance without being seen because they always have to be like it always has to be a bad thing why is it always like his brain instantly goes to like well you're all gonna attack us so if they needed to they could and that's basically what he's flexing right now what magneto and the cuckoos are flexing they're like hey if we if we wanted to kill y'all we could take you down you'd be dead already we wouldn't be having this meeting if we wanted to kill you you would already be dead come on later magneto's just not having any of his face is like, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm telling you how it is. So the fact that he's like, there has never been a mutant war. We've never conquered a people, stolen their land, or made slaves of the vanquished. That's our real advantage. And so they're asking, when are we actually going to Krakoa? And one of the cuckoos that they're traveling with, I don't know if they actually ever give her the name of like which one she is, but at this point, Krakoa is much more of an idea than an actual place. But if you mean the main island itself, we won't be going there. You're not allowed. Why not? Yeah. You have Charles Xavier's offer. Mutants are the eventual evolutionary inheritors of this world. The island you see is ours and ours alone. Man is not welcome there. That's like intense. Like you're not welcome here is like 
that's what y'all been saying to us forever. And exactly. like now we can say it to you. Flip the script. That's huge. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I commented on the, the cover of Wolverine. No humans allowed. Putting up that sign. No humans allowed. It's just like, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that. My initial instinct is like, this is what people have been doing to you all along. And now you're doing it to people. But the other way in my mind they've been trying to keep mutants out of everything mutants are like hey we have our own home that you can't just go to that one home you're not invited into our house unless we accept you as an individual which they were talking about with gene gray and, and fauna mm-hmm. humans have the ability to pass through the gates if accompanied by a mutant and with permission from kokoa so there can be humans coming but that's not what this presentation is for do they have to do both does does Krakoa have to approve and the mutant can take them? Or is it like one or the other? I believe Krakoa has to approve before a human can be willingly let in through one of the gates. So that's interesting that like Krakoa has the final say. Like it's it's always like Charles or Magneto. Hmm. Eric. Charles. <laughs> it's always one of them that's kind of like the head honcho. And now... They've sort of given this, what if sometime down the line, like Charles wanted to bring someone and Krakoa was like, nah, that's not happening. (laughs) Um, Well, humans could travel there other ways, I guess. You know, you just couldn't use the gates. It would just take longer. Right. Fine. I have to go the long way. No, you take a plane. I don't (laughs) know. Does Krakoa have an airport? (laughs) All right. Okay. Okay. Now we're back. We're back with the Fantastic Four. Yep. And, and Mystique. Mystique and Toad, they're making a run for it. Toad's through the gate. Mystique goes. Sabretooth makes a jump for it and is slammed by, flip the page, who looks like the Invisible Woman. Oh. Heads up, Reed. The gate's active again. Someone's coming through. Oh, how wonderful. The Richards family. And oh, look, look who it is. Cyclops. Cyclops. Scott oh, Summers. Wonderful. And I really I really love this exchange and especially the second page on this panel on this is layout um, of just like their camaraderie, their connectivity. You know, they're they're heroes in the Marvel universe. He congratulates Ben on a recent marriage. They're talking Ben about, is the thing. Yeah. Ben okay. Grimm. How's everyone else doing? So, so <laughs> like we're let's talk about the fact that you have Sabretooth, shall I take Mr. Creed off your hands? And they're like, why would we do that? You understand what amnesty is. So they're just, that's got to be so off-putting for them. Because usually like Cyclops and Sabretooth are not on the same side. Right. So all of a sudden Cyclops is like, yeah, but like I'm just going to take him back with me. But we got this mutant amnesty that we. It's okay, y'all. Just give him to me and everything will be fine. And even I love Johnny Storm, the human torch. But we just caught him. (laughs) Yeah. Can't we like just hold on to him for a little bit? Read. Talking about the amount of injuries that Sabretooth has just caused, some of them fatal, significant. Uh, are you really offering amnesty from that? Well, amnesty is amnesty, dude. Yeah, it's like, like all, all the You amnesty. can't pick and choose. Yeah, it's right. like a blanket. It's for everyone. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Is there anything else you, you were saying you really like this interaction? It's, a, it's actually... It, Next. We continue, yeah. This is a nice like side-by-side. Yeah, I really like the page layout design here. 
and just like talking you can just feel like we're having a serious conversation right now yeah it just feels very standoffish it feels you know like they're on they're split on either side right and like not only are the like panels split the individual boxes but like the negative space yeah. is between them yeah it's so and there's stances in the next two panels that you have you have the human torch looks like he's ready to fight and so does the thing yeah it's, and Scott's it's really like, you know, well done. fair enough. I can see you feel strongly about this. And this next page, this is where, you know, there's a couple of things that really stick out for me. One is the invisible woman's saying to Scott, Cyclops, this amnesty, the other thing Xavier is doing, what are you all thinking? And this quote from Scott, my family has spent our entire lives being hunted and hated. The world has told me that I was less when I knew I was more. Did you honestly think that we were going to just sit around and take that forever? Of course not, but it's really simple, Susan. I believe in what Charles Xavier is doing. Please greet your son for me and tell him when he's ready, he has family on Krakoa waiting for him. He just like, he's just like, bye. Boss move. I'm out. Mic drop. uh, Franklin Richards, Sue and Reed's son, is a mutant. Okay, but how are Sue and Reed not mutants? That, that's just not where their powers come from. You don't need to be a mutant to have a mutant child. But the but so the Fantastic Four are not mutants. No. Like what? What is? How does the thing look like that? Where do they get their powers? Science experiments. Yeah, they went into space on a mission, and were affected by radiation that resulted in them, and that's why Reed feels the great burden of how to fix Ben or responsibility for fixing Ben. So who is their son? Franklin Richards. And he's not part of the Fantastic Four. He's at times been a part or or an offshoot of the Fantastic Four, four and a half. Um, The Fantastic Four, 4.5. Yeah. What's his power? Uh, He is a reality warping mutant. Ooh, trippy. And we actually get a little bit of reference to him in a data page, actually the next data page, talking about Omega level mutants. That sounds intense. It is intense. And it's something that it really on this page becomes crystallized into what Hickman is trying to establish as what are Omega level mutants in this new House of X, in this new Dawn of X era. And it does a really good example as defining you know, there's no upper limit to their power. That's what constitutes an Omega level mutant. So Magneto has no upper limit and there's nothing that can be compared to the max, the max of his power. But the example that they give forge. So Magneto and forge are the most powerful mutants of their, of their power types on the planet earth. But what makes Magneto and not forge an Omega level mutant is that the upper limit of forges measurable powers could hypothetically be surpassed and has been by multiple humans on the planet, while the upper limit of Magneto's power cannot be surpassed by any measurable fashion. So Forge is the one who can like make stuff. He's the maker. He can see and understand machinery and then reconfigure it to his needs. Is that related to this The Forge that no. they're on? No. No. They just have the same name. Yeah. <laughs> That's not confusing. <laughs> the Forge is a space station forge is it's interesting though because it's a space station where a bunch of scientists are going to create stuff and be survivable so it kind of feels like 
from my perspective, they stole it. They were like, well, we're just going to make our own. We'll yeah. just put the in front of it and yeah. it'll be ours. Yeah. So they're saying like people are smart enough to do all the things that Forge does or come up with the there things. There can be someone that operates at a level higher or that meets Forge's upper limit of power. But nobody's got anything on Magneto. But nobody's got anything on a Magneto. And Charles is not on this list? Charles is not on this list. That's interesting. I thought so as well. Um, Jean Grey is. And it, it also talks about how... So they're, so they're flat out saying like Jean Grey is more powerful than Charles Xavier. I think that Jean Grey could be more powerful than Professor Xavier if she develops her power to that extent that like where he's at with his years of experience, years of leadership, years of just being. So she has the potential to out, to outdo him. Yeah. But she's she got that Omega potential. doesn't have the skills. And that's, and that's just a personal, and maybe that's wrong, but. You're entitled to your opinion. Yeah. I mean, I have my opinions. Good. <laughs> and so. Omega level is a classification of a single mutant power. While it is quite common that mutants manifest multiple powers, only one is normally of Omega level. All right, I'm just like looking at this this list. So this list, um, Storm is on here. Yep. And that's amazing. Yeah. Because I always feel like, just based on like what you say from the comics, that Storm is... The best, legit, and I always just get so upset after knowing that or like having conversations with you about the comics and then seeing her represented in movies and stuff. I'm always just like, why is she not more of a badass? What are y'all doing? So that's exciting to me because I really like Storm. They're nerfing her power because she's too Omega for them. They can't handle it. Can't handle it. And so we're back in Jerusalem. Oh wait, I just had a thought. They're classifying the so the, they're classifying these mutants as omega level mutants because like now there's just so many mutants that they need to still somehow track the most powerful ones or Well, so omega level has been loosely thrown around and not as succinctly defined previously. And the main reason why they call these out and I think that it's said at the bottom while it is believed that a greater dynamo is possible through collective means, it is a current priority for the mutant nation, nation of Krakoa to protect and nurture its greatest natural resource, Omega-level mutants. All efforts are to be expended in order to secure the future of the state. One people, one tribe, one family. So these are the most important mutants, as deemed by the nation of Krakoa. Oh, that's a Krakoan... Uh, category I was thinking that was like Orcus no like no, a, this is a this is a mutant distinction this is gotcha. mutants classifying themselves got it got it got it okay so now yes okay we're back we're back with the Jerusalem habitat and the tour and Magneto asks so what have we learned and one of the ambassadors starts responding but no I wasn't speaking to you I was asking the cuckoos who have been <laughs> what have we learned about you not of what what have you learned and that they're all plants that they're all yeah except for this one from Israel decided to join her fellow representatives from the Security Council today but she's not with them um, she's ex-military doesn't really care for them or for you 
but everybody else is plants. And this person is interested in the political and scientific opportunities. The second one is interested in the pharmaceutical opportunities and is willing to strike a deal if he gets advanced access to the drugs. So basically saying like none of these people are like genuinely interested just for being interested. They all want something. They all want to see how they can use this to manipulate for their own means. And these last two guys. Classic humans. Classic humans. Uh, Walter is interesting. He's an agent of strike, but he doesn't actually care about any of it. He's just here assigned to watch Riley Marshall, who's an ex-shield and sword black ops agent. There's some other affiliation, but he's fighting me. What do you think that other affiliation might be? Is it not Hydra? No. Orcus. Oh, Orcus. And so... Oh, so... Because so, they're telepaths. Right. So they're... That's... I get that's it. That's what they've learned. So they've been inside their heads this whole time. Right. So all these other people are not Orcus. They just work for all these other things. And then this guy is from Orcus and he's like, yeah, I'm going to get We can assume that that's, that's the other affiliation that he is fighting to keep her out of and to understand. But also, and I love this next page. Um, also, he has some sort of weapon. Do you want me to take care of it for you? No need. No need. I'll handle it. I'm Magneto. I wasn't going to use it. It was for my protection. Of course, that's how it all always starts. And this next page with Magneto, with the sun behind him, and just the way that he comes in and whisper threats. Yeah, this close-up of them, eyes to eyes, where he's just like, yeah. I know the truth. You are all wolves. You are all wolves. Like Magneto Some... is just... He's so amazing. He... As a character, he's so composed and like he has such an eerie calm about him all the time. You're like, you're not like he never gets excessively angry, but he's just so straightforward. And like, I feel like if I was this dude and he was looking at me like Magneto was looking at me. Like he's looking at this dude, I would feel like he sees like deep into my soul. And like, no matter what I do, I'm like screwed in this moment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah he's like charles has made you an offer and this is not a negotiation this is here's the offer and the guy's like do you know what you sound like i do and it feels good to finally say it and so you summoned us here to jerusalem for what to threaten us it's like no a promise isn't a threat and i summoned you here to this place for wholly superficial reasons you see i know how you humans love your symbolism almost as much as you love your religion. And I wanted to, I needed you to understand you have new gods now. Amazing. That last panel, like, like oh. he's like looking over the, his shoulder yeah. with that sun in his back, in the background, that sun flare. And he's like, you have new gods now. I'm in charge. Finally. Mic like drop. It's my time, baby. And then the last page that we see, I have a new word for the lexicon of man, Krakoa. And in the future, when you speak it, make sure you do so softly and with proper deference, for we will be listening. Magneto. Amazing. I think it's so, that's such a nice bookend to this issue to have it start with Xavier. If you, if you had just kind of read the first page and the last page, and then it ends with Magneto, like you're getting this, okay, Xavier's saying, you know, whenever you hear 
Charles Xavier speak or from my point of view, you you're like, okay, Xavier, he's gonna level with you. He's gonna be fair. He's gonna you treat know, you like his equal. Treat treat you like an equal. Try to get like the best out of every situation. Because he wants peace between humans. And, and he's humans. like, listen up. Things are different. And then you go to this last page, and Magneto's like, it's different, and we're in charge, and I'm watching you. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. The last couple of pages that we have are the reading order for the series and some final bits in Krakoan that we don't currently know what they what mean. What they mean. Overall. Thoughts, reactions. Thoughts, reactions. Okay, a lot happened. Like a lot. A lot But happened. it's like an establishing issue. It's like, hey, welcome to this mm-hmm. world. So, you know, you just off the bat, like, the fact that really all we saw of Charles in this is that very beginning. Him pulling up daisies. When he's just, come to me, my children. Dainty dancing in my... <laughs> Hello, here I am. And then they're building this thing and, and it exists. And so you know now that there's a nation or an island or some sort of place with like multiple portals for mutants and mutants only. And that they have something that the humans want, which is interesting because I feel like in the past the mutants have had something that the humans want but it's always because they want to like experiment on them or Mm -hmm. they want to take something from them and this is something that the mutants can offer leverage which yeah is huge and then but it's not going to come easy like you're going to get it how we want to give it to you or you're not going to get it at all right and the fact that from this what you can assume is that Charles and Magneto are on same the page. same page which is not the norm and it's just it's mind-blowing and it's exciting but it also is like a little bit scary yeah I feel what's like gonna happen kind of what you were saying about the fact that xavier and magneto are on the same page when i reread this and i reread the first page that we started with now the world has changed like when i said that i i really do feel like that was a message to the humans in the Marvel universe, but also a message to the reader that everything's changed and we're only showing you snippets of it in the way that we're doing this slow reveal, this peel back of here are the details as we conversationally explore what's happening in this new world. But I I really enjoyed this issue. I feel like it introduced a lot of new information about this world with really beautiful artwork and created a lot of curiosity about what was going on. Just visually, it's different, right? The costumes, they have like the X, but there's not that what I know of as like the classic. Everybody's in like a matching costume situation. And that was really only when they first started um, and then in like the movies. And then and then during the new X-Men time, Grant Morrison. Yeah. And I guess the kids kind of have that like it's like a training uniform uniform vibe. But yeah, it's just so it's so interesting. I'm interested in what kind of secret ops is going to happen with these human ambassadors and how how the humans are going to try to respond. Just respond yeah. and like they've always seemed it's always seemed like the humans still think that they can 
win. Yeah. <laughs> that they can outsmart well, the mutants, I that mean, they can... Whether they think they can or not, it's almost like, well, we have to or we're going to die and be replaced by mutants. Yeah. That's at least their reasoning. That's their thought process. It's totally like they're going to take us out. Right. And, you know, it's it's interesting because their first conversation is like, well, this can be used as as a weapon or a military tactic and the mutants are like let me just show you what's up even though they did have that secret underlying plan of we're going to be reading your minds this whole time to really get some information out of you but the fact that then that guy like secretly brought a gun with him is oh okay so i was right this was yet again diplomacy not of war and i mean there's you know the question of is this a threat it's kind of a threat. I mean, it's kind of, it's a promise. You know, it's, it's like a, hey, it's a flex. It's definitely yeah, it's a, flex. a flex. That's what I would say. It's definitely a flex. Interesting. Cool. You're interested? I'm me, interested. Me too. This was the first single issue that I bought at a comic shop in a long time. And it really got me excited about this story after this first issue. It brought me back into buying comics at a comic shop. Well then, job well done. Marvel, you did what you wanted. Congratulations, we're hooked. You're ready for not issue two of House of X, but issue one of Powers of Ten. Yes, and let's just talk about that for just one little second. Sure. Because why is it Powers of Ten? Why do we now use the X as a Roman numeral? Can you explain that to me? Is that explainable? I mean, that'll become clear in issue one of Powers of Ten. Okay. Good to know mystery hey so while we close this out this has been the first episode of the ex-wife podcast my name is justin i'm alicia and if you're interested on learning more about the podcast you can follow us at the ex-wife podcast on instagram facebook maybe twitter we'll see who knows about the tweeters and otherwise we'll until next time old friend yeah charles Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan.